the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Last week's massive explosion in the port of Beirut has unleashed a powerful explosive rage among the Lebanese people. Outraged at decades of corruption and mismanagement among the country's ruling political establishment. The staggering destruction will only magnify Lebanon's multiple humanitarian catastrophes. Its people pushed even deeper into poverty and despair by an accident that appears to have been totally avoidable. At this point, though, it remains to be seen whether the disaster will serve as a long-awaited catalyst to dislodge an entrenched political class responsible for years of graft and mismanagement. Rich Thomason reporting. Authorities in Beirut have announced the death toll is now up to 220, thousands injured. In consumer news, the average U.S. price of regular grade gasoline has held steady over the past two weeks at $2.25 per gallon. This is SRN News. Hugh Hewitt sees a new Democrat party. Within the Democratic Party, there's this radical turn. Radical. It's not your parents' Democrats. It's not your Democrats. It's AOC and the squad Democrats. They will tax your home. They will tax your car, the miles you drive. They will tax your retirement. They will tax your wealth. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 5 on AM 1280. The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. SalemNow.com is the best streaming platform out there. You can watch movies like Uncle Tom, Selfie Dad, No Safe Spaces, and the Patterns of Evidence series all on demand. Again, to watch all of that stuff and more, all you have to do is go to SalemNow.com. Just past 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon here in the Twin Cities, take a look at your forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center. Thunderstorms likely all day long. We reached a high of 84, and we got the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker coming up next right here on AM 1280, The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot. We can all agree that a good education benefits students, their family, and society as a whole. Education shapes your child into the person they will become. Join your local hosts, Rebecca Hagstrom and Mark Durkin, as they explore how to get the best education for your child while ensuring that the values you're teaching at home are being respected. From cursive to curriculum and everything in between, school is now in session. Education Nation, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Relief Factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two Weeks, yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. 
and then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to ReliefFactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. You can listen to AM 1280 The Patriot on all Amazon Echo devices. Simply ask Alexa to play The Patriot Minneapolis, and you'll hear your favorite hosts. This is Dennis Prager, and thanks for listening to me on your Alexa device. Social Security is with you through life's journey. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow. Protecting you and those you love. We are there when you get your first job, helping you to save for the future. We are there when you marry your sweetheart to help secure your new life together. We are there if the unexpected happens, to help you see life from a new perspective. We are there when you start your next chapter to make sure you get off to a great start. And we are there when you lose your soulmate to help make sure you will be all right. We are with you through life's journey. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us and see what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow... It's Sunday, 4 o'clock. What does that mean? It means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. Let's jump right in. The Victory Hour this week is being joined by Mr. Rudy Rockman from live from Israel. And we're going to talk Israel today. We're going to talk about the one and only Jewish state in the world, about the size of New Jersey. You can fit nine Israels in the state of Minnesota. Uh, And uh, as we've talked about before, There are about 14.5 million to 15 million Jews in the entire world. Approximately half are in the state of Israel. A little bit less, maybe, than half. But uh, between Israel and the United States, about 13 of the 14.5 million reside. And Israel is under attack like never before. I am... Uh, talking about political attack. I'm, talk, I'm talking about le- legitimization attack. And it has reached the halls of Congress. And we lead off this week by reminding you 
that on Tuesday, just two days from now, there is perhaps the most important primary that you will ever vote in or have voted in, certainly, coming up here in the 5th Congressional District in the state of Minnesota as Ilhan Omar, my congresswoman, is being challenged by Anton Melton Mukes. One very critical difference between the two of them, and if you have the ability to vote in the 5th because you are a resident of the 5th Congressional District, on Tuesday you need to go out. Whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, everyone has an interest in this election. As Ilhan Omar, having made numerous anti-Jewish, anti-Israel statements, has a strong anti-Israel position in Congress and has infected the Democratic Party with her positions. And the party has not pushed back, in my judgment, sufficiently enough. But this is an opportunity for the people to show up and to make their voice heard. Again, Tuesday, primary election on the Democratic side in the state of Minnesota. You can vote. Whether you're a registered Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. You can vote in the Democratic primary or the Republican primary. And I would simply suggest not trying to rally people uh, who are not going to the polls. But if you're going to the polls, you vote in that Democratic primary and you vote Anton uh, Melton Mukes, at least my opinion. That's just my opinion. And we're going to talk today with Rudy Rockman about... uh, kind of the intersections between what Ilhan Omar has been ascribing and what has gone on on college campuses across the country and now what is being talked about and somewhat accepted in the Democratic Party in the United States. We're going to talk about what's happening in Israel, where Rudy is uh, right now. Rudy can speak quite intelligently about these issues and personally about these issues. He was born in uh, Paris, France, and then came uh, in his early years with his family to Miami, Florida. At the age of 17, trying to figure out, well, let's see, am I French? Am I American? It feels like I'm American here. But one thing I know for sure is I'm Jewish. And he went to Israel, and he served as an Israeli paratrooper in the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces. After completing his Army service, he uh, came back uh, to the United States, attended UCLA, traveled around the world to dozens of countries. He then transferred to Columbia, and he founded the Students Supporting Israel group at Columbia University, where he uh, served up until, what, a couple years ago or recently as president Still in his mid to late 20s and one who has fought the battles of anti-Semitism and the, against anti-Semitism and against uh, anti-Zionism and is an openly self-identified Zionist. Rudy Rockman, thank you very much for joining us on the Victory Hour today. Thank you for having me. Rudy, where are you now? In Tel Aviv, Jerusalem? Uh, well, my heart is always in Jerusalem, but physically I'm based in Herzliya, which is 15 minutes north from Tel Aviv. Beautiful. 
You say hi to my son Samuel Parker over there when you get a chance. He is in Herzliya as well, and I know you know one another. We do. So it's great that your heart is always in Jerusalem, as is mine, even across uh, the great oceans. You know, many listening to the show today hear the word Zionism uh, frequently, and, and in recent years, over the last decade in particular, uh, hear the word in ne- with negative overtones. What is the actual meaning of uh, Zionism, and what is it meant to you, Rudy? Sure, and that's actually a great question, because whenever someone comes and tries to have a conversation and that they take a position where they're anti-Zionist and they're against the concept of Zionism, I always ask them, well, what do you define Zionism by? And they usually tell me a bunch of negative things, and then I tell them that if it was defined by those things, I'd also be against Zionism. However, Zionism has a very literal and simple definition. The right for the Jewish people to self-determine on their ancestral homeland. This is what every single Zionist means when they call themselves a Zionist. You do not have to be Jewish to support the civil and indigenous liberation movement and the rights to self-determination for the Jewish people on their ancestral land. Now, although Zionism as a term was coined in the 1800s, the movement of returning back to Zion, which for us in Hebrew means Jerusalem, started the moment we were kicked out of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago by the Roman Empire, where even within our culture, I'm sure a lot of your viewers may have seen some movies or seen within pop culture or even been to a Jewish wedding where they smash the glass and yell, Mazel Tov. The smashing of the glass represents the destruction of Jerusalem and the promise that our kids of this marriage will one day come back home and revive our civilization and rebuild Jerusalem. That is what Zionism is. Now, there were many movements throughout history, throughout the past 2,000 years, that sought to achieve what Zionism achieved. Unfortunately, they failed, and the last movement, which was coined Zionism, succeeded, which is why it's the movement that we know today. Beautiful, and a great uh, explanation. Uh, The National Liberation Movement of the Jewish People. Returning a displaced people to their ancestral homeland. So if you are anti-Zionist, that is what you are anti. Nothing else but that. That is what you are opposed to. And I think it's important, uh, Rudy, that you have been able to, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about your college campus experience and the attacks that uh, Jews receive on college campus uh, campuses, Zionists uh, receive on college campuses, during what is known as Israel Apartheid Week, uh, during various BDS, uh, boycott, divestment, and sanctions movements in campuses uh, across the country. I know you fought them at Columbia. You also did, I believe, in the UC system at, at Berkeley, maybe UCLA as well. Talk a little bit about what we're facing on college campuses. Sure. To touch on the last point that you made before you touched on this one, You know, if someone's against Zionism, in reality, they're against the Jewish rights to self-determination. It has nothing to do with the conflict. It has nothing to do with Palestinians. It has nothing to do with the status quo, which I believe we should all be against the current reality that people are suffering, a.k.a. the status quo. It has to do purely with the right for the Jewish people to self-determine their land. It's like saying, I'm against the Tibetans' right to return to Tibet. I'm against the Maori's right to self-determination and to access to their native lands and reservations in New Zealand. I'm against the Aboriginals. I'm against the Native Americans. If you took a position like that, it would be similar as taking a position against the Jewish people's right to self-determine. And that's what we fundamentally need to understand, that Judaism is not really a religion. 
Because a religion is just a belief system in a God, deity, book, or prophet. So if you accept Jesus, you're a Christian. If you reject Jesus, you're not a Christian. You accept Muhammad, you're a Muslim. You reject Muhammad, you're not a Muslim. But yet in Judaism, even if you reject the Torah and Hashem, you reject God, and you reject the Bible, you're still a Jew. And if you accept the Bible and God vis-a-vis -vis how the Jewish people see it, that doesn't make you a Jew. To become a Jew, you have to go through years of a process of adopting an identity, a history, a culture, a value system, a language, a connection to land, aspirations, and so much more. You're joining a nation. And when I say nation, I don't mean in the modern sense of America or England. I mean as native civilization, native nations. And I think fundamentally that's what a lot of people don't understand. And so for them, the explanation of the self-determination movement for this population doesn't really make sense because they see it as, oh, it's just a belief system, a religion that crossed over borders that is now seeking to go back to maybe where the ideology stemmed from. But no, Israel is actually a native civilization and it's the people that crossed over those borders and sought to return back home even when we maintained a constant presence in that land and eventually we did so through the liberation of our land in 1948 where we kicked off the British and revived our civilization. Now when it comes to college campuses, I think when it comes to every single extremes, there's always anti-Semitism. You look on the extreme right, we're known as the evil communists. You look on the extreme left, we're the evil and greedy capitalists. So the extremes are really the problem here, especially when it comes to the right and left. But today, when it comes to the left, there's no more center left. The left has become extreme left. And unfortunately, what people have been doing on college campuses already for the past 20 years is using a framework of something that's called intersectionality. Yes. Now, the way intersectionality works is the theory that minority movements are all suffering from a certain system, and if they unite together, uh, African-Americans, black people, LGBTQ+, women, Hispanics, if they unite together, then together they can fight the power and succeed in a better way. And in theory, it's, it is true. You know, you are stronger in numbers. But the way that the anti-Israel movement on campus uses it is they go to every single minority group on a college campus and they convince them that Israel is either doing the same thing that their community is suffering from to the Palestinians, or even more so that Israel is actually directly responsible for their suffering in their own communities. So first of all, we need to understand that these anti-Israel groups are not actually pro-Palestinian. The reason I say that is because when it comes to Palestinians dying by the thousands in Syria, by the hundreds of thousands of refugee camps in Lebanon, without equal rights in Jordan, or even suffering on the border of Gaza and Egypt, they don't talk about those Palestinians. They only talk about Palestinians only when it has to do with Israel, and of course they remove all context out to the situation. They don't talk about the three wars that were waged to ethnically cleanse the Jewish population and destroy Israel. And they take everything out of context and they ride on the legitimate suffering that does exist and has to end. And they use that suffering and manipulate it to push a political agenda of destroying Israel, delegitimizing Israel in the face of the next generation. And this is why college campuses are so important, because they truly represent the future political and ideological class of the next generation. Rudy, Those let me just out of college campuses. Yeah. Rudy, let me just jump in here. I want to put a punctuation uh, on the point you just made. And when we come back after this short break, we're going to continue to discuss what we are facing on college campuses across this country. But that punctuation is the hypocrisy, the lie that is being put to minority groups on, this, on uh, the issue of intersectionality to bring about broader numbers opposed to Israel and, in fact, anti-Jewish uh, anti numbers is the fact that they don't really care about the Palestinian people because if they did care about the Palestinian people, they would look at the real problems that face the Palestinian people. And they are not in all the different countries 
and uh, factions that the Palestinians are facing and dealing with, including their own leadership. We're going to be right back. It is the Victory Hour. Go to ParkerDK.com during this short break. We have Rudy Rockman live from Israel. AM 1280, The Patriot. Mark Twain once quipped, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. When you are lied about and it spreads, the resulting mayhem and destruction can be, and often is, disastrous. Hi, this is Andrew Parker, co-founder of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently handled a high-profile defamation lawsuit on behalf of a luxury home real estate agent whose business was decimated by falsehoods spread about him. After nearly two years of litigation and two weeks of trial, the jury came back with a verdict of more than $2 million for our client. Parker Daniels Keyboard. We litigate cases, we try cases, and we win cases. With a record of excellence in achieving extraordinary results, Parker Daniels Keyboard lawyers have consistently won huge verdicts for its clients in the areas of defamation, civil rights violations, regulatory battles, and intellectual property theft. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, premier law firm in downtown Minneapolis. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Is a verbal contract really only as good as the paper it's written on? This is Andrew Parker from the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently represented a client in a claim for unpaid compensation. He was promised payment of $1.8 million in bonuses. His employer refused to pay, citing no written contract. We went to work. After investigation and litigation, we won the case and recovered $2.3 million for our client. Our experienced trial lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country. We have legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, and financial transactions and appeals. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Go to ParkerDK.com. We are back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. Every Sunday we talk politics, Israel, and the law at 4 p.m. Central Time. Of course, folks, listen coast to coast, live streaming. You can get us on a po- on the podcast as well. And we are live on Facebook every week at 4 o'clock. You can see yours truly spinning the latest on politics, Israel, and the law. We are joined... This week on the Victory Hour by uh, political activist Rudy Rockman, 
who uh, is joining us live from Israel. Uh, Jot this down. You probably have it already on your yellow pad, but take out that number two pencil and write it quick. 651-289-4488. That's the number if we have time, which I'm not sure we will today as we are chock full. But uh, 651-289-4488. By the way, next week, join us next week as I believe we're going to have Clark Griffith back on the show next week to talk about baseball. Baseball is back, but uh, how is it faring and how does it look like it is going to fare as politics seeps into baseball? That's what we're going to talk about with Clark Griffith. Today we're talking, well, the existence, the ongoing existence of the uh, single and only Jewish state, talking about Zionism, and that is... Uh, the national liberation movement of the Jewish people to return to its indigenous ancestral homeland, uh, the displaced people that they are. And that has been realized just in our lifetime, but thousands of years it had not been. And Rudy uh, Rockman, uh, in his uh, mid to late 20s, is fighting the fight against uh, really uh, lies and opposition to the existence of this single and only Jewish state. Many of those lies grounded in anti-Semitism. Rudy, before uh, our break, we were talking about what we are facing out there on college campuses, something that uh, you have dealt with personally. Tell us about what, you, uh, what you're seeing as it relates to the concept of, of apartheid, of, of BDS, etc., Sure, the way anti-Semitism has always been spread throughout history, throughout generations, is by finding the source of suffering and pain or evil of a community and an experience of, of negativity of a community and finding a way to blame the Jewish people for it. So on college campuses, you have these groups that, as I said before the break, claim to be pro-Palestinian, but when Palestinians are suffering in any other context outside of Israel, they don't talk about their suffering, but only use their suffering only when asked to do with Israel to write on that and manipulate that to attack Israel. So I would even make the argument that they're even anti-Palestinian because they're hijacking the space that Palestinians truly need to talk about their struggles, about their liberation movement, and how to build a better future that fixes those injustices and fulfills their aspirations with Israelis. And so they go to every single minority group on the college campus and they convince them that Israel is the source of suffering, either similar to them or directly related to what they experience. For example, they'll go to uh, black students and say, oh, you suffer from police brutality and racism. Well, you suffer from IDF brutality and Israeli racism. Native Americans, some white people came and stole your land. Well, the Jews are a bunch of fake white people from Europe who came and stole our land. Mexico, they're building you a wall. Well, we already have a wall. LGBTQ+, you don't have equal rights. We don't have equal rights. And they've gone and built these coalitions for already the past 20 years to the point that when you come today to a college campus, it is already acceptable that all of these groups fighting for their liberation and rights, which in my opinion is just, also must be attached to being against Israel. And that's the reality that exists. And I'm going to say this again. The reason why college campus is so important is because the future leaders of a generation, of a society, of a country, are coming out of these campuses. And if they are stamped as they get pumped into this factory with ideas that are negative towards the Jewish people, our right to self-determination, who we are, the future that we are looking for, that we are going to experience, is one very different than the one that we've experienced up until now. Now, they push something called BDS, which I think a lot of people are confused about. 
the way I see this delegitimization movement on college campus, which is ideological, is as a tree. And a tree has many branches. And one of these branches is BDS. Now, BDS stands for Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction. And it's basically a resolution that students come and try to pass on the student government level that says we want the university to divest its funds from Israel. Now, regardless as if it passes or doesn't pass, the school doesn't actually divest from Israel. Till this day, no university in the U.S. Has, div has divested from Israel, and in fact, it's illegal in most states to divest from Israel. So for me, the problem is not if a BDS resolution passes or not, because in practice, it doesn't mean anything. And even if a, a, a university divested from Israel, how much money is a university invested in Israel in the first place? For me, the bigger problem that is not only symbolic is the fact that this is a resolution that is being brought up every single year. And through this resolution being brought up, a conversation is sparked across the college campuses associating Israel to evil things and to horrible things such as apartheid. Now, apartheid defines what was happening in South Africa, which was a horrible situation. But by the definition of apartheid, it's one land, one government with different laws for different peoples. In Israel, everyone has equal rights. The Arab population is 20% of Israel's population. They serve in the government. They serve in the army, in the lawyers, doctors, politicians, police. And then you have Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, which is divided into three areas. So already now we're talking about other areas under other leaderships. Then you have Gaza, which is another area under Hamas, another leadership. And although the situation is messy and horrible, I as a Jew, as an Israeli, cannot go into areas A of the West Bank and areas B uh, of Judea and Samaria for the most part. And I cannot go into Gaza under Hamas. So there's a limitation of movement on both sides. But why do they use this term apartheid? Because it plays on the experience and the traumas that people of color and all those that fought against apartheid have, and directly they will associate Israel to evil. And that's the same thing we've been seeing even recently with what happened with uh, George Floyd, where they said, oh, well, the Israeli army trains the police departments to do certain things. Well, first of all, maybe a few ex-military individuals were hired to do some Kav Maga self-defense training or some counter-terrorism training it has nothing to do with how police uh, treat or don't treat individuals day to day. Plus this notion as if Israel's involvement with the U.S. started how racist cops started to act as if cops weren't racist or individuals weren't racist in the United States before 48 is a ridiculous statement to make. And so all their statements that they align are all specifically catered to getting the campus to the conclusion that the Jewish people have no right to the land and are some bad people from foreign lands, and that Israel has no right to exist, and by its existence, not only causes suffering to the people there, similarly to how other people are suffering, but are actually causing the suffering to the rest of the world. Rudy, how, exactly have you, how, how have you combat how have you combated on on college campuses this uh, uh, twisting and combining of forces uh, aligned against uh, the Jewish people and the state of Israel? So the way we, we, we combated it, it's empower, narrate, and protect. Empower means we need to give the tools to the next generation, the younger generation of Jews and allies to be able to be strong. Now, unfortunately, Jewish education has failed us. 
We were not taught how to debate, how to talk about Israel to the right, to the left, how to build coalitions, how to talk about our identities, how to talk about our experiences, how to get the rest of the society to realize what is anti-Semitism. So if you compare other communities throughout history, you look at civil rights, right? 60, 70, 80 years ago, America didn't have civil rights. And although there's still huge issues with racism within America, 60, 70, 80 years ago, clearly the situation was worse. So how did we get from one point to the next? Well, people of color and their allies fought for the rights to change the status quo and to change the culture and to make people realize that racism was bad. So today, you go to a college campus and almost every single black student is conditioned and trained to be able to prepare and deal with racism if there's a student or a professor that says something racist. And most other students are conditioned and prepared to side with them. Same thing when it comes to women rights, same thing when it comes to other minorities. However, when it comes to anti-Semitism, most Jews say nothing and most other people say nothing as well. And so that is a reality that we need to change. The first thing is to empower the next generation. We would do training sessions about how to talk about Israel to the right, to the left, to create coalitions, to understand other narratives and other movements, uh, all, all sorts of things that, to be honest, should have been taught to the Jewish community and their allies from a very young age. The second is to narrate. Now, if you want to tell a story or even, let's say, sell a product, if I'm selling a product in Spain, I'm speaking in Spanish. If I'm going to now take my product and sell it in America, I have to speak in English. Got to speak so the language. You have to speak the language of the younger generation. And That's the younger right. generation uh, has its flaws and has its pros. And part of its pros is that it wants some more profound answers. It wants something deeper. It wants something that it can relate to, something not only to do with superficial accomplishments like Israel created some great technology and we're only democracy in the Middle East and we start up nation and you know all these nice things that, yeah, we can talk about how proud we are that Israel made those things. But the fundamental question on the college campus today is, who are the Jewish people and why does Israel have a right to exist? And Israel does not have a right to exist because it's the only democracy in the Middle East. There are countries in this world that are monarchies like Thailand and Jordan, and no one's questioning their right to exist. Israel doesn't have a right to exist because it created so many nice things. So how do we tell Israel's story in a language that our audience, that the students around us can understand? And the way we've crafted that is the story of Israel is a story of a 4,000-year-old native population from the land of Judea, Israel, that were physically displaced and forced out of their land by a Western white imperial nation called the Romans. Even during their displacement, they maintained a constant presence on their ancestral indigenous lands. And after 2,000 years of oppression, exterminations, and persecutions in the diaspora, we created the most successful indigenous liberation movement that ever existed, a movement that liberated not only our tongues, our language, but also our land, and we were able to come back home for the first time in history, a native population did that. You so know, you, you know, it's amazing. Story that way. Yeah, it, it's amazing, Rudy, that you, that you put it out there that way, because uh, my generation and those older than I am even uh, avoided having that discussion, thinking that, oh, you, you can't go back there and talk about the ancient history, da, 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 because people aren't interested in that. They're just interested in what Israel is today. And I, I've always believed that, no, you have to explain why it is that Israel not only has a legal right, but an ethical and moral right uh, to exist beyond any other in that land. And, you know, without that, the foundation is lost. We're going to be right back with Rudy Rockman live from Israel to talk more about Zionism openly and unabashedly, as well as the fight against the big lie. Make sure to stay with us. In the meantime, go to ParkerDK.com. AM 1280, The Patriot. 
How can you protect your company's most valuable proprietary information? This is Andrew Parker of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. We recently represented a local manufacturing company in an employment lawsuit. Our client learned that a longtime employee was leaving the company to join a direct competitor. The employee intended to help the competitor develop an automated manufacturing system that was a copy of our client's system. The employee did not have a non-compete agreement with our client. We nonetheless filed suit and brought an immediate motion to prevent the employee from beginning work with the competing company. We won, and the employee was prohibited from working for the competitor. Parker Daniels Keyboard's attorneys have been advising companies on employment law matters for decades. And if you find yourself in court, our attorneys are some of the toughest and most experienced employment trial lawyers around. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard. Go to parkerdk.com. So I'm standing here right now looking at 10 different brand new LG refrigerators, stoves, washers, and dryers. And we have all 10 listed at a minimum of $500 cheaper than most of our competitors. That's huge considering at PJ's Appliance Outlet, we do not use the fictional, often inflated MSRP price that most appliance stores use to get these savings. At PJ's, we're discounting real-time competitors' pricing for the same appliances throughout the cities. Hey, it's PJ here from PJ's Appliance Outlet. Now, I know you've heard all about how our customers travel from all over the Twin Cities to save hundreds, sometimes thousands, on name-brand appliances. In fact, customers upgrading several appliances have more often than not walked out of our store saving thousands. There's only so much I can say in a radio ad about our products, prices, and ironclad warranties. So if you're looking for a new appliance or just feel like browsing, come check us out at pjsappliantsoutlet.com. That's pjsappliantsoutlet.com, where every deal is a steal. Mark Twain once quipped, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. When you are lied about and it spreads, the resulting mayhem and destruction can be, and often is, disastrous. Hi, this is Andrew Parker, co-founder of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently handled a high-profile defamation lawsuit on behalf of a luxury home real estate agent whose business was decimated by falsehoods spread about him. After nearly two years of litigation and two weeks of trial, the jury came back with a verdict of more than $2 million for our client. Parker Daniels Keyboard. We litigate cases, we try cases, and we win cases. With a record of excellence in achieving extraordinary results, Parker Daniels Keyboard lawyers have consistently won huge verdicts for its clients in the areas of defamation, civil rights violations, regulatory battles, and intellectual property theft. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, premier law firm in downtown Minneapolis. We are back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. We talked this week, Israel, Zionism. And I want to remind you all that tomorrow, or no, Tuesday, August 11th, Tuesday, go online, find out where your voting location is if you live in the 5th Congressional District in the state of Minnesota. Ilhan Omar has the fight of her life on Tuesday to return to Congress. Nancy Pelosi would not remove Omar from her position in the Democratic caucus. So we're going to have to take an additional step and remove her from Congress altogether. 
Way to do that is to go and vote for Anton Melton Mukes, clearly not someone I agree with on virtually any issue, as he is a staunch, lifelong, progressive left liberal. But he is not Ilhan Omar, who opposes the Jewish people, opposes the state of Israel every step of the way, unapologetically. And August 11th is the opportunity to go and vote in the Democratic primary. You do not need to vote in the Republican primary, even if you're Republican, because quite frankly, that primary has no contested race, so it's a waste of time. This is a big contested race. And Ilhan Omar should not be in the United States Congress from my perspective. And by the way, I've asked her on the show a number of times uh, to no avail. We are joined by Rudy Rockman live from Israel as we talk, uh, you know, and it's just been fantastic talking to you, Rudy, uh, getting the perspective of uh, a different generation of mine, but one that is obviously uh, much more learned and in tune with how we can fight back against the anti-Zionist, the anti-Semitic views that have permeated uh, the United States, quite frankly, and unfortunately are starting to permeate permeate one of the major political parties uh, in the U.S. As Rudy points out, it's always been there on the far extreme right. It is now certainly there on the far extreme left, but it is seeping into the fabric of liberal culture, and it is a significant problem. Rudy, you were talking before the break about uh, the importance of fighting back on campus with those who are going to be leaders uh, of our communities just in the next couple of decades with the concept of empower, narrate, and protect. You talked about empowering. You talked about the narration and the critical nature of it and the lack of education, certainly in the Jewish community of our youth that our, uh, my generation fell down on. Why don't you talk now for a minute about uh, uh, protect and, and what you mean uh, by that, and then we're going to talk a little about the quote-unquote unilateral annexation plan that is uh, on the table in uh, Israel and the United States is commenting on as well. Sure. So what I mean by protect is again, that it's our responsibility as either Jews or allies to the Jewish people on college campuses to be able to expose certain movements for what they are and expose them for being anti-Semitic and expose them for being wrong. So, for example, uh, we would go to all the anti-Israel groups events and we would do certain things and we would ask them questions at the end of the time and expose them for not actually being pro-Palestinian, for actually being anti-Semitic, not being able to condemn certain things. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the anti-Israel group at Columbia hosted an event called Pinkwashing. Now this concept is basically that Israel gives rights to LGBTQ plus individuals in order to wash away their crimes that they commit against Palestinians. Again, now using something positive that Israel has as seeing LGBTQ plus human beings as human beings and using that somehow to pin it against Israel that Israel is only doing this 
in order to wash away the crimes that they commit against Palestinians. So at this event, we printed out flyers with all the counter information that proved what they were going to say wrong, and we handed out to everyone walking into the event before they walked in, hey, welcome to the event, please read a little bit about it. And as they sat down and they were reading it, even before they presented all their propaganda, they were actually able to read all the counter information and even ask them questions. Excuse me, I read something here that says this, that, excuse me. So we used their own crowd against them. The second thing we did is we placed individuals in the back of the room that had signs that said lies, false, inaccurate, anti-Semitism. And every time the speaker said something that was false, inaccurate, a lie, or anti-Semitic, we lifted up those signs, causing the connection of the audience to lies, false, inaccurate, and anti-Semitism to the things that the speaker was actually saying. And the third thing that we did at that event is we asked a question and we rose our hand and we said, excuse me, Mahmoud Yishrawi was a Palestinian militant member of Hamas. They found out that he was gay and they shot him three bullets in the chest for being gay. Will you condemn it? No, you know, it's, we're not here to talk about Hamas, this and that. They didn't want to answer the question. And we asked again, Mahmoud Yishrawi was a Palestinian militant member of Hamas. They found out that he was gay and they shot him three bullets in the chest. Will you condemn it? No, it's not our job. So then we respond to them. So how dare you talk about pinkwashing? How dare you talk about gay rights? How dare you talk about Palestinian rights? You are the one doing the pinkwashing, not only of LGBTQ plus rights in this event, but also of Palestinian rights. And Palestinians need to talk about their suffering. They need to talk about the reality, the fact that they don't have equal access to resources, equal access to movements, that they've been suffering from economic situations, from their political situations with Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. They need a space to even condemn and criticize things that they experienced that Israel has done wrong. However, if you're using the space that they require to manipulate the suffering of Palestinians and weaponize that suffering to attack Israel, you're not only anti-Israel, but you're also anti-Palestinian because the reality is that there is no future where Israelis or Palestinians disappear. So at some point, if you're pro either of the populations, you have to find a way to create a reality that allows both to live there. And the fact of the matter is, uh, Rudy, uh, you know, Israel has been... Uh, equal rights, gay rights, uh, LGBTQ rights, uh, before even anybody even knew what LGBTQ was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an outrageous uh, comment. I'd like uh, your judgment and opinion uh, when we uh, come back uh, from this quick uh, break on Black Lives Matter and the intersectionality uh, that uh, black, uh, whether Black Lives Matter is being used. Uh, to be uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, anti-Zionist. Make sure to stay with us. We're going to be right back after this quick break. And uh, during the break, go to ParkerDK.com. Also, jot down and put up on your refrigerator, if nowhere else, August 11, vote if you're in the 5th Congressional District. That's two days from today. We'll be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. Mark Twain once quipped, A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. When you are lied about and it spreads, the resulting mayhem and destruction can be, and often is, disastrous. Hi, this is Andrew Parker, co-founder of the Parker Daniels Keyboard Law Firm. I recently handled a high-profile defamation lawsuit on behalf of a luxury home real estate agent whose business was decimated by falsehoods spread about him. After nearly two years of litigation and two weeks of trial, 
the jury came back with a verdict of more than $2 million for our client. Parker Daniels Keyboard. We litigate cases, we try cases, and we win cases. With a record of excellence in achieving extraordinary results, Parker Daniels Keyboard lawyers have consistently won huge verdicts for its clients in the areas of defamation, civil rights violations, regulatory battles, and intellectual property theft. For wise counsel and winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, premier law firm in downtown Minneapolis. What does it mean to be a Christian woman in today's culture? How does your faith in Jesus Christ relate to the world around you? Sometimes to have faith can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and sometimes challenging landscape. That's why you need to visit iBelieve.com. iBelieve.com is a site designed for Christian women. iBelieve.com has blogs, videos, and even daily devotionals. Whether you're looking for advice, ideas for your church group, or just an uplifting message, visit iBelieve.com. That's iBelieve.com. Millions plan for retirement online, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home, and give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Did your employer make you sign a promissory note when joining the company, and now you want to leave but you're afraid your firm will pursue you personally for that debt? This is Jesse Keyboard from the law firm Parker Daniels Keyboard. I recently represented a client who had signed such a note, and I was able to get them out of their $500,000 debt to their company, which allowed them the freedom to exit a bad employment situation and enter a much better one. Meeting our clients' objectives is our focus at Parker Daniels Keyboard, and in this regard, we win. Our experienced trial team of lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country and through arbitration. We have the legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, shareholder disputes, financial transactions, security issues, and appeals. For wise counsel, winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier litigation law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Wise counsel, winning results. Go to parkerdk.com. We are back. It's the Victory Hour, joined by Hart this week. Yes, indeed. Barracuda. We are also joined by Rudy Rockman, live from Herzliya, Israel, just north of Tel Aviv. And Rudy has been outstanding, and we very much appreciate uh, him joining us to educate us about what the issues really are as it relates to uh, what Zionism is, what anti-Zionism is, anti-Semitism is on campus and beyond. We, uh, When we broke, we uh, were going to talk, and I, and I would like to do that for a minute or two, Rudy, about Black Lives Matter. I talk about the movement uh, on this show quite a bit. I make very clear that Black Lives Matter, no question about it. I am a strong believer in it, the concept, the idea uh, of it for sure, and not just all lives matter, but I'm talking about specifically Black Lives Matter and, and when they, uh, they are taken by police officers, those given a badge and authority uh, to take uh, action with force. And when they take the lives of uh, 
black Americans, uh, there is nothing worse, uh, and it should not occur. Uh, in addition, uh, that others uh, taking the lives of blacks in America is wrong as well. The black community taking the lives of blacks, the white community, all it is wrong and needs to be addressed, and racism needs to be addressed, uh, and we need to check each and every one of us at the door, uh, our own racist attitudes. But Black Lives Matter as an organization uh, has taken that concept and has used it in certain ways, and in fact, in their founding principles, in real ways, uh, in an intersectionality manner, as you suggested before. Have you looked at, uh, into this at all, and what are your views regarding how Black Lives Matter is using anti-Semitism? Sure. Well, for me, I see myself as an Israeli and as a Jew, and I don't see myself as right-wing or left-wing. I see myself as a individual human being with my own experiences, my own views, my own opinions, and my own values, and sometimes they are more related to the right, sometimes they're more related to the left, sometimes they are neither, and sometimes they evolve as well as I grow and become, uh, you know, get more experiences and more knowledge on certain issues. When it comes to Black Lives Matter, I don't think I've ever heard someone saying that black lives don't matter, but I think fundamentally what the movement in itself, what the people are talking about when they're talking about Black Lives Matter, they're talking about the systemic racism that exists within America and certain issues that have to be dealt with. However, the political organization slash movement, the official platform is not necessarily what everyone is hashtagging when they say Black Lives Matter, because this platform is politicizing issues that have nothing to do with black lives and with racism in white societies. For example, on their platform, they support the BDS movement, which is an ideological movement to demonize and ostracize Israel and the Jewish people from the conversation on college campuses. So naturally, first of all, I cannot support that movement. But then as someone that grew up in America and left in 2018, the last time that I heard Black Lives Matter being something so popular was in 2016. All of a sudden, it's right back in 2020. And I ask myself, what is the common thread between 2016 and 2020 and that there's an election? So there's a deep problem, I think, within every society, but also especially within America, that people talk about issues that need to be talked about, but do so to fulfill an agenda. And that exists from the right to the left. Politicians don't actually care, for the most part, to fix issues, to help people, but care about dividing and conquering taking those issues, weaponizing them, and using them to attack the other in order to remain in power. And so as an official platform organization, I am against it because of a lot of things that they do, including taking a position against Israel. However, as an ideological movement of ending racism, of ending police brutality, of ending a lot of divisions that exist within the society and inequalities that exist, I am absolutely for it. Well put. Uh, very well said. I'm with you uh, entirely as it relates to that. We have a few minutes left, uh, Rudy, and I want to I want to touch on the uh, the Donald J. Trump peace plan, if you want to call it that. Uh, the uh, uh, unilateral annexation that many in the United States call it who are opposed to anything Donald Trump does, but certainly opposed to this plan because he ties it to Israel and many who oppose it are are lukewarm toward Israel, if not directly opposed uh, to Israel. They call it unilateral annexation. First, explain why it is the term unilateral annexation 
uh, is a misnomer, mistermed, and uh, you know, particularly as it relates to unilateral, uh, have the Palestinians uh, been at the table? Have they had opportunity upon opportunity uh, to come to the table? And is this really unilateral? Yeah, so there are many layers to, to what you just said. First of all, when I look at Palestinians coming to the table, the reality that we need to understand is that those that came to the table were people of the PLO and people of the Palestinian Authority not really the Palestinians, because the Palestinian Authority is on its 15th year of its four-year term. And I work with Palestinians to create a better reality here with political activists on both sides bring us together. And I can't post pictures of them because if they're caught normalizing, they then get arrested and interrogated. So when the Palestinian Authority does stuff, says stuff, we also have to disconnect that from the rest of the Palestinian population. When it comes to the peace plan, I'm against any form of a two-state solution. This land to the Jewish people, at the very least, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Palestinians and others that live here, for the Jewish people, this is our soulmate. There is no way that you are going to split our soulmate. Furthermore, you have around 600 to 700,000 Jews living in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, with guns. If you are going to remove them, that's going to cause a civil war, and that's without even talking about the security issues that would come from doing that. So an idea of pushing out a form of a two-state solution like a peace plan is ridiculous. Furthermore, I'm not pro or against America, but for America, a foreign country to come and to tell Israel what to do is something that's very much so not welcomed here by the Jews and by the Palestinians and the Israelis and the Arabs. We want support from other countries to help us come together, but not to come and tell us how to be and how to divide ourselves. So I'm very much so against the peace plan. When it comes to annexation, some people in Israel call it restoration, because at the end of the day, Judea and Samaria slash the West Bank is the heart land of Israel. It is the cradle of Jewish civilization. For 2,000 years, when Jews sought to return back to Israel, it wasn't to go to Tel Aviv and to Haifa. It was to go to uh, to Bethlehem, it was to go to Hebron, it was to go to Shrem, which is today called Nablus. It's to go to Yericho, it's to go to Jerusalem, all places within Judea and Samaria, the West Bank. So this land is the native civilization of the Jewish people. When it comes to the conversation today around annexation, the conversation that was supposed to be done by July 1st was only to talk about between 3 to 30% of Area C. The way the West Bank, Judea, and Samaria split is you have Area A, which is completely controlled by the Palestinian Authority, Area B, which is mutual control, so governmentally controlled by the Palestinian Authority, militarily security controlled by Israel, and Area C completely controlled by Israel. The conversation around 3 to 30% of the West Bank, Judea, and Samaria was only about Area C. So even if they annexed 3% or 30%, they would only be annexing Area C, which is already 100% under Israel's control. So nothing would actually be changing other than officializing what already exists. Palestinians wouldn't be displaced. People wouldn't have any change of their movement in the way that it already exists. So nothing would have happened. So in theory, the idea of making Judea and Samaria part of Israel is something that I very much so support. However, the thing that I do criticize in the way it's being approached is that the conversation does not include the nuances of how to deal with Palestinians. Because the reality is that there are millions of people living there, and Israel is in a position of power, and thus has to take a responsibility to figure out the reality of how to fix this situation. And the conversation around the annexation that just happened was a conversation that included what did we need to do to take a step forward for the Jewish people, but not how we needed to take a step forward for both peoples on the land. But to and be clear, to be clear, Rudy, the three to thirty percent does not include displacing Palestinians. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 
So but people, people need to, under, you know, pe- other other problems that exist. Right. Other problems need to be fixed and handled and the contiguous nature of the land needs to be handled if it were to happen. But it would not displace Palestinians. And you, you all need to be clear on that. Rudy Rockman for direct from Israel, live from Israel. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Victory Hour. It was enlightening. Uh, it was lively. And it was uh, the Emmis. I appreciate it very much, Rudy. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to be back next week to talk about wokeness in baseball with Clark Griffith. Make sure to join us. And remember again, if you can vote in the 5th, you vote on Tuesday, August 11th in the Democratic primaries. Thank you again. Talk to you next week. And hope. AM 1280, The Patriot. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. It's time to throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 1280 to Patriot hosts in high quality with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Wake up with the Patriots Daybreak Insider. Today's top news stories from a conservative viewpoint. Sign up at am1280thepatriot.com by using the keyword subscribe. That's subscribe at am1280thepatriot.com. AM 1280 the